One of my favorite topics is the Canon Group, also known as Canon Films. They're best known for their exploitation movies of the 1980s and action movies like Invasion USA and basically any movie Charles Bronson made at that time. Oftentimes, the stories behind the scenes of Canon Films are more entertaining than what ended up on the big screen. You may remember that we discussed Canon Films in our episode, Lombada vs. the Forbidden Dance. Today, we're going to take a look at how Canon signed a major star to supposedly the richest deal in entertainment history to make a movie for them, and how quickly it all fell apart. My name is Dan Delgado. Welcome to the industry. While this story is about Canon Films, it doesn't start there. It starts back in 1983 at Universal Studios, when producer Walter Mirisch buys the rights to the Elmore Leonard novel La Brava for about $250,000. Leonard is brought in to adapt his own novel, but Universal doesn't like the script and eventually it all goes into turnaround. However, in 1984, the project picks back up again when Oscar-winning actor Dustin Hoffman agrees to star. Elmore Leonard gets right to work making script revisions. A lot of script revisions, all made to please a seemingly unpleasable Dustin Hoffman. But this doesn't come to pass because Universal can't make an official deal with Dustin Hoffman. Hoffman's asking price at the time was $6.3 million and a whopping 22.5% of the gross. This was unheard of. The next year, 1985, Mirish is still trying to get La Brava made and puts together a different package. Here we have actor Roy Scheider and director Ted Kotcheff. He was known for directing movies like First Blood, Uncommon Valor, and North Dallas 40. However, this package does not drum up any interest. That's when Hoffman comes back into the fold again. And Mirish shops the project around to other studios, but 20th Century Fox, Disney, and Geffen Films all pass. One unnamed executive familiar with the deal said no one could meet Dustin's price. Mirish even has director Martin Scorsese attached to direct at one point, but still couldn't get a deal thanks to Hoffman's high price. This is where we get to Canon Films. And the one thing at this point that Menachem Golan and Yoram Globus, the two cousins that ran Canon Films, seemed to want by the mid-1980s was respect. Respect from mainstream Hollywood. They wanted to be major Hollywood players. Now, they had had success with smaller movies like Break-In and some notoriety with movies like Death Wish 2, but they were looking for something else. And on January 29th, 1986, it seemed like they had it. Cannon had announced that they had made a deal with Dustin Hoffman, although Scorsese had exited the project, not really wanting to work with Cannon. Menachem Golan could not contain his excitement about this deal. He said, quote, For the first time in our career, Cannon is overexcited. To have a star of this caliber in our family, it's a wonderful part for him, and with the right director, we will have a masterpiece. And in March of 1986, the right director was seemingly found when Hal Ashby was announced to direct. Ashby was a guy who could do no wrong in the 1970s, directing hits like Shampoo and Harold and Maude. 
However, he hadn't had a hit since 1979's Being There and was coming off of the awful misfire of The Slugger's Wife. La Brava could have been a really nice turnaround for Hal Ashby. Everything was set. One of the things that Canon Films loved to do was to run ads in the trades. And after getting Dustin Hoffman and Hal Ashby on board, on March 19, 1986, they ran another one. This one read, Welcome to the Canon family, Dustin Hoffman. And unfortunately, this moment is as close as we'd ever get to an adaptation of La Brava. It's only nine days later, on March 28, 1986, that the trades announced that the deal has fallen apart. According to a source close to the negotiations, Hoffman's contract, this is where it gets described as the richest star deal in entertainment history, which granted him approval on all advertising connected to the film. Hoffman was apparently not consulted on the ads, and he hated them. He hated being welcomed to the Canon family. Yoram Globus, the president of Canon Films, insisted, there's no problems here, everything is fine, La Brava is still on, and Dustin Hoffman has no say on the advertising, so there's no problems. But from Hoffman's side, the March 19th ads that led to him walking away from the movie were not the first ones that Canon read without his approval. An unnamed source said, On two prior occasions, these guys took out similar ads, and they were warned that this was a breach of contract, and then they did it again. Hoffman claimed that Miris set up the Canon deal without telling him. He said, quote, I didn't back out. I flew out. I was frightened of Canon. They could do anything and would do anything. According to Mirish's autobiography, he says it wasn't him who set the deal up, but rather another fella by the name of Burt Fields. Fields called Canon Films because he knew Canon would be the only ones willing to pay Hoffman's price. And who was Burt Fields? None other than Dustin Hoffman's own attorney. According to a Hal Ashby biography, Hoffman was insecure about the idea of his character falling in love with an older movie star. Ashby had wanted Debbie Reynolds to play the older movie star, which would have been an interesting pairing to say the least. Reynolds, in case you're wondering, was only five years older than Dustin Hoffman. After exiting La Brava, Hoffman would go on to star in the infamous 80s flop Ishtar. As for canon films, it was business as usual. The next Monday after the fallout with Hoffman, they took out two more Welcome to the Canon Family ads. One of them announced the signing of Diane Keaton for a movie called Housekeeping, and the other welcomed Peter Boyle for Citizen Joe. This was going to be a sequel to the 1970 acclaimed movie Joe, which he had also made for Canon Films. Both of these movies, by the way, were also never made. Elmore Leonard would get an adaptation of one of his books made by Canon in 1986. 52 Pickup with Roy Scheider was released that year. But more interesting and much more relevant here is that Leonard would take his experiences in dealing with Dustin Hoffman and channel them into a new book that would become a movie in 1995, Get Shorty. In it, the character of egocentric actor Martin Weir, played by Danny DeVito, was based on Hoffman. Walter Mirisch did try again to get La Brava made in 1995 after the success of Get Shorty, this time trying an adaptation done by Buck Henry, 
but it was to no avail. Looking back on his time trying to get it done in the 1980s, Muris concluded that Dustin Hoffman was less interested in making a movie as he was in talking about making a movie. And despite there being many Elmore Leonard adaptations since 1986, including Out of Sight, Jackie Brown, and the Get Shorty sequel Be Cool, there has still not been one for La Brava. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of The Industry. This episode was written, edited, and hosted by me, Dan Delgado. If you could be so kind as to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, it would really help out. I know as podcast listeners, you hear this all the time, but it does genuinely help other people to find the show, and it costs you literally nothing. And a big giant thank you to those of you out there who have already done this. We're currently working on our second season of The Industry, but until then, we'll try to make sure that you stay subscribed with occasional bonus episodes like this one, telling more stories of the things that went on in the industry. Good night.